Fly me to the moon. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando. Happy Monday. I pray that your recovery is going good. Recovery from seemingly hopeless situations that happened out there while we were not working on our program, dropping our guard, and taking a chance on living life without a higher power. I learned that streaming in this information makes a better day and the words are carriers. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer that we may have a successful week. We pray that we have a real good week starting today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today's daily reflection is material and spiritual well-being. Again, material and spiritual well-being. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, your secretary. Today, March 21st, says fear of economic insecurity. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 84. Having fear reduced or eliminated and having economic circumstances improved are two different things. When I was new in AA, I had those two ideas confused. I thought fear would leave me only when I started making money. However, another line from the big book jumped off the page one day when I was chewing on my financial difficulties. For us, material well-being always follows spiritual progress. It never preceded page 127. I suddenly understood that this promise was a guarantee. I saw that it put priorities in the correct order. That spiritual progress would diminish that terrible fear of being destitute just as it diminished many other fears. Today, today I tried to use the talents God gave me to benefit others. I found that it is what others value all along. I try to remember that I no longer work for myself. I only get the use of the wealth God created. I never have owned it. My life's purpose is much clearer when I just work to help, not to possess. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Today I am making coffee for the group and taking some uh, vittles or some snacks uh, for the recovery houses that show up at the park here in Southern California. My point of me, what have I done in the last 24 hours? Yesterday we went out, I and the sponsee of mine, Patrick, as you know, we, I asked him to join me. I said, I have too much food left over from Friday's barbecue. So we took it on Sunday and we barbecued for the Sunday group. And all the food went, you know, about 20 hamburgers and about uh, 10 hot dogs and all kinds of chips. And uh, everybody enjoyed it. It was a great. And the point I'm making is I gave a guy that was homeless a ride home. And now he's back with his family. And. You know, there's always uh, 
problems and families and so forth, uh, I try to tell him to, uh, to ask God to give him a car, to give him a vehicle for service. Just make a bargain with him. Bargain with God. Say, God, if you give me a pickup truck, I will use it to take coffee to the meeting. I will use it to help others. I will use it to, to uh, be of service. I had a, a nephew of mine that's for he he uh, cleans backyards uh, two or three times a month for free for people um, that need it and I don't know what he does with all the bushes but he eventually he's doing that part time in addition to his work and he takes his son his twenty one twenty two year old son with him and they go have a father and son relationship. That is remarkable and doing free things for others. That, my friend, is the way to go in life. Amen. For me, anyway, I had to learn it the hard way. It took many years for me. So I hope that uh, it doesn't take that many years for you. That service is the way to go. Using our resources, our talents, and our skills uh, that peace in finances are, are taken care of? I said, yeah, I can easily talk about that. Well, I've, I've been there with no finances and going to the meetings and not having a dollar or a nickel to put in the basket and praying, when you restore me, Lord, I'm going to promise I'll put money in there. Sure enough, money came and I've been restored for God's work. Pay attention. Thank you very much to... Let's go ahead and move on to Proverbs 21. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is like a stream of water. The Lord directs it toward all those who please him. Amen. Well, thank you very much for coming to today's podcast. God bless you. And enjoy this day. Amen. Good morning, family. Let us go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Grant me the courage to change those things I can. And grant me the wisdom to understand and know the difference. Amen. Fernando, I am in recovery. Alcohol is my problem. And talking, too. Oh, I'm kidding. Today's reading of Alcoholic Anonymous Daily Reflections is As We Understand Him. This is taken from Alcoholic Anonymous, page 12. says, My friend suggested that then seemed like a novel idea. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? This statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered in many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. I was, it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 12. I remember the times I looked up into the sky and reflected on what started it all. And how. When I came into AA, an understanding of some description of the spiritual dimension became a necessary adjunct 
to a stable sobriety. After reading a variety of versions, including a scientific of a great explosion, I went for simplicity and made the God of my understanding the great power that made the explosion possible. With the vastness of the universe under his command, he would no doubt be able to guide my thinking and actions if I was prepared to accept his guidance. But I could not expect help if I turned my back on that help and went on my own way. I became willing to believe, and I have had 26 years of stable and satisfying sobriety. I'm Fernando. I am an alcoholic, and that's my story, too. I just simply believed in the power that was helping me. I simply believed in the good actions of God that I did not detect when I was out there drinking. His mercy, His kindness, His love, His leading. You know, he just wanted to be a friend with me, and he wanted to show me that he was all-powerful, all-loving, and he made me understand that I cannot understand him, the God of my understanding. In other words, that, that he created the vast uh, universe and all, all the elements and everything, that's like way over my head. But I just know the God of action. I know the God that does things for me that I can't do for myself over and over again. He satisfies my soul with words, with good words. He satisfies my soul, my wanting soul. When I came in, I, I did not have any faith, hope. I did not believe and I did not trust. I was, what you say, animal. Here, animal, sit down. Sit means sit, animal, sit. That's what I needed when I came in. <clears throat> I needed men that had came out of what I, where I was to tell me to sit and listen and be quiet. That's what I needed, and that's what I got. I want to thank God for men that have guts and quality to, to take command of an individual that don't have authority over his life, proper authority, which is good productive words that's authority folks for me my God of my understanding is that he is kind he's joyful he's happy he tells me it's made it go let's get on with it let's do something of in, in happiness enjoyment let's go out there and and adventure uh, and, and explore and get to know new people and go to new meetings and good places and believe, you know, and eat some tacos and some gyros and everything we can think of that's acceptable to our palate. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on. We're going to read uh, our favorite reading for today, which is the suggested Proverbs from King Solomon. 16 for today this book is 3500 years old and and it's amazing how that experience on these readings proved to be true i'll read it and i say yep that's my experience on that that's my experience too you know so here we go proverbs 16 verse 1 people make plans in their hearts but the Lord puts the correct answer in on their tongues. People make plans in their hearts, but the Lord puts the correct answer in their tongues. 
So guys, <clears throat> building a better mouse trap in our mouth trap. <laughs> we get trapped by our own mouth, so we get a better mouth trap, not mouse, mouth. A mouth trap. Um see, God put that in my mouth. See what it says right here? The Lord puts the correct answer in their mouths, in their tongues. So my point is, say, God, Lord, put the right words in my mouth. The correct answer. Amen. And it could be for plans in the future, guys. It could be plans for uh, just about anything. In other words, he gives us inspiration in how to, and we learn by our tongues. The Lord is speaking through our mouth. Kind of hard to believe, huh? That he is speaking through us. He puts the correct answer on our tongues. Amen. Okay, verse 2. Everything a person does might seem pure to them, but the Lord knows why they do what they do. Uh-oh. Commit to the Lord everything you do, then He will make your plans succeed. Commit our mouths to everything we say, and the Lord will make our words succeed. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just commit our lives, our mouths, today, this day, unto you, these 24 hours in increments, in everything we do and say, Lord. We give it to you today. Let us not be afraid of living life enthusiastically and joyfully and be spontaneous, Lord, and get out there and have some fun and some joy. Thank you, Father. Not about helping everybody. It's helping someone with joy and laughter. That's about the, the size of it. Verse 4, The Lord works everything out to the proper end. Even those who do wrong were made for a day of trouble. Ooh. They're going to get their pay, what they're asking for. You're asking for it. The Lord works everything out for the proper end. Even the reward to those who are good, who bless others, who go around blessing 20 people a day, especially the people that don't deserve it, the troublemakers, the people that can't love themselves and they make trouble for others. That's who we bless. God bless them. God bless the... Uh, and even the rich people that, that look like they have it together. They're probably barely hanging on there. The Lord hates all those who have proud hearts. You can be sure they will be punished. So this is a way for us not to have a proud heart, guys. is by throwing Frisbees, 20 Frisbees out there to all the people that are in the way, hurting the transients, the homeless, the over-talkers like me. <laughs> throw me a Frisbee. God bless you. I'll throw you a Frisbee. God bless you. Right back to you. The Lord hates all those who have proud hearts. And you can be sure they will be punished. What's the difference between a proud person and a humble person? A humble person wants to learn. A proud person doesn't like to read. Uh, a proud person uh, just has a routine. And uh, a humble person is open to their plans being changed on a daily basis and just to see where God is leading them. Even though the other person may look more productive, 
they are more apt to call us for a flat tire, to call us for take over something. And we say, yes, 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 you bet. Drop all things. I had a guy call me the other day. He goes, hey, I'm going to the Bahamas for 10 days. Can you water my plant on the 24th? I said, you want me to water your plants every day with six or seven minutes? And he goes, no, I just want you to water them on the 24th for one minute apiece. I said, you cheat. I said, okay, I'll do it. Just the 24th? Okay. I don't know if he assigned other people other days, but my day is the 24th, and I'm supposed to water each plant for one minute a day. One minute. I think I can do that. And he said he'll pay me. <laughs> I can get a pizza out of it and invite you. Okay. The Lord hates all those who have proud hearts. You can be sure what they will that they will be punished. Through love and truth, sin is paid for. Through love and truth, sin is paid for. For all our wrong that we've done in the past, folks, through love and faith, sin is paid for. People avoid evil when they have respect for the Lord. Don't be uh, railroad into evil by evil people, guys. You know, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for what is right. Stand up and you will save another person in the crowd. Through love and truth, sin is paid for. You don't have to see those dirty movies. You don't have to go to that bar, uh, to that naked bar. You don't have to do that. You say, I, I am not hungry. Thank you. No matter what they say, stand up for what is right. Through love and truth, this sin is paid for. Sometimes you can ease at it. You know, they will go ahead and drink in front of you. But you, you, you keep your, if, as long as you're full of love and full of joy and you're strong in spirit, that's fine. But if you're not paying attention to the Word of God and you're being around sinful people, you're going to, you're going to pay the price. You're going to regret it. And like you did the last time, remember? Through love and truth, sin is paid for. Wow, we can we can pay for our sins if we want to do something about it by being more loving and more truthful in our surroundings. When the way you live pleases the Lord, He makes even your enemies to live at peace with you. Amen. Whew, that's a tough one, huh? <laughs> it is better to have a little and do right than to have a lot and be unfair. And you can have a lot and be and do right too <clears throat> by throwing frisbees out the window. Number nine, in their hearts, human beings plan their lives, but the Lord decides where their steps will take them. Okay, in their hearts, human beings plan their lives. But the Lord decides where their steps will take them. So here requires a little human ingenuity to find out what plans the Lord has for us. The Lord decides where their steps will take them. Sometimes the Lord has to uh, knock us in the hard knocks to get us to understand that we're to praise Him and thank Him in the morning and sing songs prerequisite to being guided into what we're going to do. 
and then it will be laid on our lap easily. God's will is not difficult if we do the homework in the beginning. We prepare and wait upon him. It says, wait for the plans of the Lord to inspire us. He'll put it on our lap and it will be easy. But the Lord decides where their steps will take them. You know, I bet there's a lot of us that God was merciful and gave us jobs. And it wasn't his, his ultimate um, will for our lives. Like, for instance, for me, I know, as a matter of fact, that God's ultimate will for my life was to become an international pilot in an airplane, to, uh, to take resources back and forth around the country to needed, needed people, to uh, people that are in need. And I know God's will for my life was to run a successful business here that will produce that kind of money as uh, overflow. Because he told me, he showed me in a vision that the overflow of the company will have all the, all the uh, resources available to, uh, to go and supply God's people, the people that know him. Wonderful, beautiful people that are in God's love and he cares for them. Does, does that sound too difficult for a plan for a God? You know, and that still could be it. I'm still claiming that. I'm still working to that, you know. Yep, I could have done the homework better. In the 90s, and late 90s, I was doing, uh, I took up airplane um, classes I took, jumped out of an airplane, <laughs> get me started, parachuting. Um, but I still can do more. And I follow people that do that. I follow people that God has given them um, the ability to imagine an airplane and the ability to move forward with their imagination, with prayer, and huge resources to buy things on cash. Whoo! Isn't that amazing? That sounds like the God I serve. That sounds like the God that claimed they created the earth for his doing, for his glory, and for his honor, and for his people. He's taking care of us, isn't he? He's taking care of us, right? So he will take care of the other people around the world that are in need of soap, that are in need of vitamins, that are in need of something. That's the God we serve. He's almighty all-powerful, all-wonderful. In their hearts, human beings plan their lives, but the Lord decides what their steps will take them. I pray that I was not boasting. I pray that I'm just talking to myself, that I I can do more with today's technology of uh, learning more, as I do, about aviation, about running a business, which is... God has to do it, right? I don't see where where the strength is going to come from. <laughs> I got my days tied up, but may God's will be done. Even if I do it one time, if I charter a plane one time and take some resources, I would be doing God's will, right? All right, let's move on. A king speaks as if his words come from God. And what he says does not turn right 
into wrong. That was verse 10. A king speaks as if his words will come from God. And what he says does not turn right into wrong. Whoa. 11. Honest scales and balance belong to the Lord. He made all the weights in the bag. Honesty and right, rightness is an established principle the Lord has made. A king hates it when his people do what is wrong. A ruler is made secure when they do what is right. Kings are pleased when what you say is honest. They value people who speak what is right. An angry king can order your death, but a wise person will try to calm him down. When a king's face is happy, it means life. His favor is like rain in the spring. It is much better to get wisdom than gold. It is much better to choose understanding than silver. The path of honest people take them away from evil. Those who guard their ways guard their lives. If you are proud, you will be destroyed. If you are proud, you will fall. Suppose you are lowly in spirit along with those who are treated badly. That's better than sharing stolen goods with those who are proud. If anyone pays attention to what they're taught, they will succeed. Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord. Wise hearts are known for understanding what is right. King's word, kind words make people want to learn more. Here you go. Wise hearts are known for understanding what is right. Kind words make people want to learn more. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Understanding is like a fountain of life to those who have it. But foolish people are punished for the foolish things they do. The heart of the wise people guide their mouths. Their words make people want to learn more. The heart of wise people guide their mouths. Their words make people want to learn more. Kind words are like honey. They are sweet to the spirit and bring healing to the body. Kind words are like honey. They are sweet to the spirit and bring healing to the body. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. The hunger of workers make them work. Their hunger drives them on. A wordless person plans to do evil things. Their words are like a burning fire. A twisted person stirs up conflict. Anyone who talks about others separates close friends. A person who wants to hurt others try to get them to sin. That person leads them down a path that isn't good. Did you hear that? A twisted person stirs up conflict. A wordless person plans to do evil. A person who wants to hurt others tries to get them to sin. Whoever winks with their eye is planning to do wrong. Whoever closes their eyes tightly, their lips, is up to no good. So keep your eyes open, folks. Everybody is not your friend. 
They want to draw you into gossip. They want to draw you into condemning and being proud. Keep your guard up, you know. Gray hair is a glorious crown. You get it by living the right way. It is better to be patient than to fight. It is better to control your temper than to take a city. Lots are cast into the lap to make decisions. But everything they decide comes from the Lord. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. God bless you. Have a great day. Give them heaven. Welcome, family. Welcome to today's podcast. I pray that you find yourself in good health, full of uh, enthusiasm. I pray that you force yourself to act enthusiastic, and you will become enthusiastic. I read in a book once where the guy would stand in front of the mirror and say that exact words to himself. Force yourself to act enthusiastic and you will become enthusiastic. And then he would move around and and act like he's in a, we're going to get a fly ball and, and keep saying that to himself till he activated the God idea inside of him, which was enthusiasm, the great I am within. You know, if you're, it's a good way for help too. To activate all the, uh, I think there's four natural chemistry that happens like dopamine, endorphins, um, that are set loose by that little formula. Even smiling at yourself for 30 seconds in the mirror makes for a great opportunity for uh, to carry it out throughout the day. And then it becomes a habit. Every time you see yourself, just give yourself a 30-second smile. And, uh, and then from there, you'll, you'll, you'll high-five and smile to another person. And then they'll high-five and smile it to 40 people. And those 40 people will do 40. And it will just ripple around the world and come back and kick you in the butt. Satisfied. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, open it up with the uh, serenity prayer. And I'm going to say it differently, so please, please, I'm just going to change it around a little bit. I'm going to say, God, grant me the courage to accomplish those things I can and wisdom to understand what they are and serenity to accept the things I need to let go of and turn over. Amen. I like my version. I seem to be getting more done this way. Okay, today on the March 15th is called The God Idea. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 52. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God Idea did. AA, page 52. Like a blind man gradually being restored to sight, I slowly groped my way to the third step. 
having realized that only a power greater than myself could rescue me from the hopeless abyss, abyss I was in. I knew that this was a power that I had to grasp and that it will be my anchor in the midst of a sea of woes. Even though my fate at that time was minuscule, it was big enough to make me see that it was time for me to discard my reliance on my prideful ego and replace it with the steady strength that could only come from a power far greater than myself. Amen. I'm Fernando. I am in recovery, alcoholic. Um, I am. I have recovered. I have recovered from drinking and slopping it up and giving money to the courts and system. I recovered from all that. I recovered from uh, going to the wrong places, being in the wrong places, and I recovered from having bad luck. I recovered from having a curse over my head, which I kept calling on myself. Woe is me! Woe is me! Que me sirvan una copa y me sirvan para todo el año. Now that they may serve me a cup of gladness, a cup of AA, and that I get it all year long. The point I'm making is, folks, that I was full of pride, ego, and stubbornness. So when I came into AA, I realized that the the kind power, the power of, of God, of a power greater than myself, I can see it in people. I recognize it right away. And I saw that whatever this program was, that it could help me, that it was inside of it. It surrendered individuals that had repented for their actions in society. I, I read that all in my first meeting. I read those guys, about 15 of them, all up against the wall. And they, they did look like they came out of a fire. You know, they were brazen by alcohol on the coals of life. And I can see that. And they would, and I can see that they would teach me whatever it was, that they would have enough faith. And, but I still had a little bit of self-sufficiency. I did not ask for a sponsor. I did not ask for help. I just took, 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 took. I got better, better, and better. And then I went and launched, launched out. So when I came back, I saw, again, a simple reliance on the spirit of the universe was for me to high-five my fellow man, to eat the cookies, say the prayers, and through osmosis, I got better again. And now, I didn't have a self-sufficiency. I didn't have pride, ego, or denial. All that, the alcohol had done its work. It, by the lashes of alcoholism, I came in saying, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle. I give up. Show me a better, easier way to live so my family may have life. My mother may have their son. My sons may have their dad. And my employer may have a good employee. Help me. And society would be at, at ease. So that's what happened, folks. Thank you very much. Now let's go see what King Solomon, a 3,500-year-old book, has to say about... Uh, today's uh, what his what is his uh, suggestions are <laughs> suggestions proven right to me the first one is for the uh, for today the 15th is 
A gentle answer turns away wrath, but mean words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise people use knowledge well, but the mouth of foolish people pour out foolish words. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. They watch those who are evil and those who are good. Verse 4. A tongue that calms is like a tree of life, but a tongue that tells lies produces a broken spirit. Whoa, I'm reading to you from the New International Reader's Version Bible, which gives a beautiful twist into something I've been reading for the last 39 years. (laughs) A tongue that calms, that puts one in calm, is like a tree of life. See, that's an AA meeting, a tongue that calms. It's so beautiful when your soul is, is buzzing and you go to a meeting and it's, it's so soothing to hear the traditions, to smell the coffee and to see the, the kind, wonderful faces there. A tongue that calms is like a tree of life. But a tongue that tells lies produces a broken spirit. Hmm, interesting, huh? Our spirits were made in the image of God, and when when wrong words come into us, they break our spirit. That's why they say don't hang around with an angry person. You'll get his anger. That's why the reason you don't want to replay your resentment against that angry enemy of yours because you're going to catch his attitude. What you got to do is you got to go right into forgiveness, forgiveness, forgive. For three days, go, 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 forgive, forgive, forgive. And get it out of you. Someone done you wrong. And God will reward you. I remember a time one of my buddies that was living with me. He, uh, I went on vacation. I came back and I told him, hey, I can't find my jumper. You know, my, uh, my battery container that jumps. And he goes, oh, so-and-so came by. I gave it to him. And boy, did I, get, I got resentment of both of them. I've been talking to both of them. I didn't know. So I had to work at the resentment for three days. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. And I, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. And I did not let that anger swell up. I, I finally broke it and I let it go. By the third day, it was gone. I was at peace with it, okay? I was at peace. Then about a month later, uh, we went over to take some pots and pans to uh, the, the guy who had taken the, the product and had not returned it. And we went over there, and there he was, and he was smoking like crazy, walking in and out of the house. And I saw my uh, my equipment right on it being charged on his table, on his kitchen table counter. And then he finally walked in and came back, hey, uh, would you take $50 for your thing? And I said, yeah, sure. I had already given to him as a gift in my heart. I, it wasn't mine anymore. And he gave me $50, and I went to the store, and, and I bought a newer one, better one. And by the way, that old one, the uh, something was broken on it, and I couldn't use it to uh, inflate tires. <laughs> See how God works, guys? Just work at it, man. Do it his way. You'll be re- we will be rewarded by obedience. That's where we get, that's where our reward is. And thanking God for something wrong that someone did us, we'll get rewarded even more. Thanking God for something that we don't understand that is happening to us, we'll get rewarded more. A, 
A wise man lives on the shoulders of experienced people. Okay, and this experience comes from falling and getting up, falling and getting up, falling and getting up through God's way. Number five, a foolish person turns their back on their parents' correction. But anyone who accepts correction shows understanding. I need to accept correction. I need to accept correction. I'm still, it's still hard for me to, to be under the gun when people are correcting me, when I'm tired and so forth, and working with others and their attitudes and so forth. And I need to go ahead and get back under the correction. The correction is good for me. Amen. Six, the houses of those who do what is right holds great wealth. But those who do what is wrong earn only ruin. Verse 7, the lips of the wise people spread knowledge, but the hearts of foolish people are not honest. The Lord hates the sacrifice of sinful people, but the prayers of honest people please him. The Lord hates how sinners live, but he loves those who run after what is right. Hard training is in store for anyone who lives the right path. Did you hear that? Hard training is in store for anyone who, oh, anyone who leaves, not lives, leaves the right path. Hard training. A person who hates to be corrected will die. Death and the grave lie open in front of the Lord, so human hearts certainly lie open to him. People who make fun of others don't like to be corrected, so they stay away from wise people. A happy heart makes a face look cheerful, but a sad heart produces a broken spirit. See what I mean? We have to work at it, guys. A heart that understands what is right looks for knowledge, but the mouth of foolish people feed on what is foolish. A heart that understands what is right looks for more knowledge. All the eyes of those who are crushed are filled with pain and suffering all the days. But a cheerful heart enjoys a good time that never ends. One of the reasons is you want to ask your, your higher power for, for strength to be joyful with your higher power, your best buddy, okay? As long as you have your best friend with you uh, and everything is all right. Cheerful heart enjoys a good time. Always be thankful and grateful. If you got to ask God to enjoy this day with him, ask your Heavenly Father. He will give you that joy, and it will establish you, you know. Amen. And don't put unnecessary. Be good to yourself so you can be cheerful. Be good to you yourself. Don't put unnecessary toil of other people's responsibility on your plate. There's a lot of those people out there that are looking. Okay, 26. It is better to have respect for the Lord and have little than to be rich and have trouble. It's better to have respect for the Lord. A few vegetables where there is love are better than the finest meat where there is hatred. A person with a bad temper stirs up conflict, but a person who is patient calms things down. The way of people who don't want to work is blocked with thorns. But the path of honest people is a wide road. A wise son makes his father glad, but a foolish son hates his mother. Whoa. 
A person who has no sense enjoys doing foolish things, but a person who has understanding walks straight ahead. Plans fail without good advice, but they succeed when there are many advisors. Joy is found in giving the right answer, and how good is a word spoken at the right time? Joy is found in giving the right answer, and how good is a word spoken at the right time? That is Proverbs fifteen twenty three. We ought to stamp that and tattoo it in our arms. Joy is found in giving the right answers. And how good is a word spoken at the right time? You know, there's more valuable in tattooing the word of God on your body than putting a woody woodpecker on your shoulder or the, or the mouse or something in that nature. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> i done it, guys, so I'm just saying. The path of life leads up for those who are wise. The path of life leads up going forward for those who are wise. It keeps them from going down, down to the place of the dead. The Lord tears down the proud person's house, but he keeps the widow's property safe. The Lord hates the thoughts of sinful people. But he considers kind words to be pure. But he considers kind words to be pure. Those who always want more bring ruin to their households. But a person who refuses to be paid to lie will live. The person who refuses to be paid to lie will live. The heart of those who do right think about how they will answer. But the mouth of those who do wrong pour out evil. The hearts of those who do right think about how they will answer. The Lord is far away from those who do wrong, but he hears the prayers of those who do right. The cheerful look of a messenger brings joy to your heart. The good news gives health to your body. Okay, so we always want to go pre-prepared, pre-prayed up, pre-washed up to a meeting to an encounter with other people, and we have a cheerful look of a messenger that brings joy to others' hearts by giving that I'm doing good. I'm going to visit my grandkids. I'm going to go here. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to go get me some ice cream. And good news give health to your body. You know, activities of positive going gives joy to other people. I'm going to go home and put my feet on the grass and enjoy a good book with a good cup of java. And that gives, actually, would you believe that? That gives joy to people because you're being good to yourself. You're not in the in turmoil. Or you have, God has given you that leisure time to enjoy a good book. Verse 31, whoever listens to a warning that gives life will be at home among those who are wise. Whoever listens to a warning that gives life will be at home among those who are wise. And this is a warning, folks. If you don't thank God for your problems, then you're playing God yourself. You're saying, oh, I can handle the problems. If you keep giving God your problems and you keep taking it back, I don't like to say you. If we keep giving God our problems and keep taking it back, we'd be amazed how the problem stays. <laughs> We, we need to learn to be good engineers 
rocket scientists turn these things over to the greater good that will take care of it. Good, bad, indifferent. Giving thanks to them about the situation puts us in cahoots among the wise and with God. At least it gives us a breather for that day, okay? And eventually the breather's going to create a miracle. We keep at it. Those who turn away from correction hate themselves. Those who turn away from correction hate themselves. That's the reason if you hate yourself and you're turning away from correction, you want to make yourself, I want to make myself read 1 John 1 through 5 so I can have love for myself and not, and love myself and not try to snuff myself out, which I tried with drugs, alcohol, and wrong living, and, and high speed, and jumping from roof to roof, and getting in the way of air, uh, going into ships, going into trains, moving, jumping out of trains, jumping out of moving cars. Those who turn away from correction hate themselves. But anyone who accepts correction gains understanding. Okay, guys, sometimes all we need to do is get a good hit or a good punch in the nose once and get that correction deep down in our system. If we were, anyway, anyone who accepts correction gains understanding. So if you're a gambling man, gamble on correction. Wisdom teaches you to have respect for the Lord. So don't be proud if you want to be honored. Wisdom teaches us to have respect for the Lord. So don't be proud if you want to be honored. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our wrongs as we forgive those who wrong against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For yours is the glory, the power, the honor, the majesty, all greatness, all goodness comes from you. Thank you, Father for this hour we have together. We will keep coming back. We will thank you. Thank you for coming in today's podcast. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
stay. Don't go anywhere yet. Thank you for coming in today's Zoom class. Rick is with me. We're both in recovery and we're reading um, meditations from the AA Big Book and from other books. Right now, I'm reading from Hazel 10, Keep It Simple, for today, March 15th. And it says, it comments, May West. I never loved another person the way I love myself. May West. This sums up how we used to live. We were in love with ourselves. Huh, that's interesting, huh? We had to be on center stage. Our self-will ran riot. Recovery pulls us out of that world. We learn to focus on others. We learn to reach out to them with love. This is the best way to love ourselves. This doesn't mean that we live our lives through others. It means we invite others into our lives. It also means we ask to be invited into their lives. Recovery breaks down our self-will. It makes room for others in our lives. And the prayer for today, God, I give you my self-will. I know you'll do better with it than me. And for today's actions would be to list three ways my self-will has messed up my life. <laughs> or how am I doing at turning over these things to my higher power? All right, or how am I doing at turning my things over to my higher power? I'm doing really good on that one. What, what do you, any, did you get anything, Rick? That's good. That's good. Yeah. Swiss, uh, talked about love, you know. Love, love, love yourself. You gotta love yourself, otherwise, you know, who will? You know, you could have a, a significant other that loves you, but I'm sure they love themselves too, so kind of goes both ways there. Yeah, you know, um, I, I suffer greatly by, first, for loving myself too much, and then I remember this lady telling me, you're in love with yourself. Uh, but, but really what she should have said, I was, you're self-centered. And then, then another wise lady told me I was self-centered. You know, my subconscious mind was self-centered. And uh, it, it only took correction and beating up that, uh, th- that I realized that I stopped. Then I went the other way. I started being mean by myself. I started giving all my money. Every time I get money, I give it away. And I wouldn't treat myself rightly. So then I started hating myself. (laughs) Then you go to the other extreme, and then you start using pounding beers and alcohol. And take that, you sucker. You worthless son of a gun. Drink this bottle. And then we come to recovery. Now we turn it over again. I start to love myself automatically because that's what's inside recovery. There's, there's 
oogles and, and, and tons of love in the room, and it comes into me through osmosis. So uh, the greatest thing that happened is I learned to love myself through the God I know, and then now I was able to be joyous and happy with others. So it's, it's a maintenance. I'm still working on it and to being kind to Fernando. Be kind to, to <laughs> be good to Fernando. And where did I go, man? I went, where am I? There you go. All right, let's go ahead and do some big book AA reading to get our fix for today. On page 24, it, sex, it says, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequence that follows taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of that kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation, but we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have fought much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we have not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we had had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Amen. Pass. If you were serious alcohol, huh? Yeah. If you were serious alcohol, then you want to believe there's no middle road solution that we're in a position where life is becoming impossible and if we have to pass through a region where there is no return. We have but two alternatives. One to go to the bitter end, blind out the consciousness of intolerable situation as best as we could, and the other is to accept spiritual help. This 
we did because we honestly wanted to or really make the effort. Amen. Page 62, please. Let's go ahead and drop down uh, to a verse, uh, the last paragraph. This is the how and the why of it. Okay. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. And we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. When we sincerely... When we sincerely took a position, all sorts of remarkable things happened. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing that we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in as we as we felt new power flow in as we enjoyed peace of mind as we discovered we could face life successfully as we became conscious of his presence we began to lose our fear of today tomorrow or the hereafter <clears throat> we were reborn we were now at step three many of us said to our maker as we understood him god i offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me, as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please, <clears throat> when ready. saying something like this by creator I have now learned that you should have all of me good and bad I pray now that remove me from every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows grab this strength as I go out there and do your bidding amen we have now please step up amen page 86 please on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear of wrong motives. We may be able to determine which 
as time passes, be more and more of the plate of inspiration, we come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstance warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members or religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when I say our doubtful. We ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer ready to show. I'm like saying to ourselves many times these days that will be done. We are then much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, uh, self pity, or foolish decisions. We become more and more efficient. We do not tire so easily. We are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange our lives to ourselves. Amen. Uh, page 100, please. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance. Page 83, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a set of fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. 
I've sort of been saying about receiving strength of inspiration and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we are careful to follow directions, we have begun a sense of his flow of his spirit into us. We, we, to some extent, we have become God conscious and we have to begin to develop a vital success. But this must, but we must go further. That means more action. Page 43. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first strength, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. D.N., beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for coming in today's uh, podcast and reading. Rick, we appreciate you. hope you get your leg, your knee. Uh, everyone, please say a prayer for Rick to heal his leg. He uh, he t- took a stumble on a knee. He took a knee. He took a knee. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you Bye. for coming in. Bye. Thank you for coming in. Today's podcast, we're going to open up with a serenity prayer, but we're going to say it in this fashion. We're going to say, God grant me the courage to change the things I can. God grant me the wisdom and the understanding to know the difference. And God grant me serenity and laughter to accept the things I cannot. God grant me laughter. Amen. I like the word laughter because uh, if you can laugh at all things, laughter has... uh, Don't take yourself too seriously. This too shall, shall pass. See, see yourself completely whole. See yourself completely healed. Were you ever into uh, javelin throwing, broad jumping, or running away from police? Any kind of uh, athletic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was uh, cross country. Whoa! Track and field. You're kidding me. That's beautiful. You saw that movie, American Me, or what is it, USA, America? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. The one with, uh, uh, the one on Highway 99, they made a movie about the, the Hispanic, the, all the Mexicans up there running uh, cross country. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a true story. Uh, yeah, USA McFarland, I think. The city's called McFarland. And it's right on Highway 99. And uh, the guy got fired for, for pushing a, a football kid around, let's say back east. So he couldn't find a job. And the only job he could find was uh, to come over here to California where they had an opening at a, at a farmer's um, school. You know, very, very little bit of people. Yeah, USA McFarland. You'll see yourself there. I saw myself there. I saw myself running. I said, hey, that's, that's me. That, at that age, I looked like that. I sounded like that. I talked like that. I don't know when I became Americanized, but <laughs> at that time, I was like, whoa. So uh, U.S. US McFarland, USA McFarland. Take a look at that movie. Is uh, Kevin Costner is the teacher. Yeah, and the family is white, and they move in there. And they they mix the girl the young girl falls in love with a Mexican guy and 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 the people bring up tamales and rice and beans and they become 
they actually became and they won the, the they introduced cross running and they won. They introduced cross running into that into that school. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. All right, let's go. Today's reading is Archie doesn't know how to worry without getting upset. Remember Archie Bunker? Yeah. Archie Bunker doesn't know how to worry without getting upset. Edith Bunker. So the idea is is not getting upset over situations, right? Like, for instance, you you hurt your knee. Don't get it upset that it was your fault, this and that. It says those things happen, you know. And, yeah. Most of us are like Edith's television husband, Archie Bunker. When we worry, we get upset. Problems seem too big for us. We get afraid. We feel powerless. What does the program tell us to do when we feel powerless and our life is upset? We look at the problem honestly. Then we ask our higher power to help us with the problem. We take it one day at a time. We believe our higher power will take care of us and help us. We have problems, that's life, but we can get through them with care and support. We don't have to get crazy. We don't have to make things worse. We can be kind to ourselves and live through problems just fine. I said we can be kind to ourselves and live through problems just fine with our higher power's help. Prayer for the day. I pray, higher power, help me to do what I can today about my problems. Help me to stop worrying. And my prayer is, higher power, help me to not take myself too seriously. Help me to... Uh, laugh at everything and ha- amen action for the day if I have a problem today I'll thank God for it and then wait for his power to do something about it amen alright yeah I changed it around a little bit and stuff it just it works fine you know the situation Yeah, so I want to thank you for uh, for listening to me. And now I'm going to read from a little 24-hour little book right here for March, uh, March 14th here. March 14th says, uh, Can I get well? Uh, this is from reading for the 24-hour little book. Can I get well if I mean can I ever drink normal again? The answer is no. But if I mean can I stay sober, the answer is definitely yes. I can get well by turning my drink problem over to a power greater than myself, the divine principle of the universe, which we call God, and by asking him that power each morning to give me the strength to stay sober for the next 24 hours. I know from the experience of thousands of people that if I honestly want to get well, I can get well. Am I faithfully following the AA program? Meditation for the day. Persevere in all that God's guidance moves you to do. Persevere. The persistence carrying out of what seems right and good will bring you to the place where you would be. 
If you look back over God's guidance, you will see that his leading has been very gradually and that only as you have carried out his wishes, as far as you can understand them, God has God given able to give you more clear, definite leading. You are led by God's touch on a quickening, responsive mind. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may persevere in doing what seems right. I pray that I may carry out all of God's leading as far as I can understand it. This is from the 24-hour little book. So today's meditation is, uh, yep, I did it. I'm to blame. And I thank God for it. And I don't take myself too seriously. There ain't no big deals here. Laughter can keep me open to God's instructions. Joy and laughter. I don't let the circumstances take my joy. That that is our that is our objective to keep things simple. And if we can keep our joy, we can keep our head. We can keep our our solution in front of us. And God can keep bringing us solutions. That's that's the beauty about um, you know having each other to support each other. That's what it's called a support group. Now tell me again. Were you distracted, or did you hit a curb? And how did you uh, how did you hurt your knee, Rick? I was standing outside, and I was, I was talking to one of the managers, and it just went out. Just, just went out. Yeah, it was like when I first I started, like like doing like a little bit of wiggle. Next, you know, I was, I'm on the ground. I hit my cheek real hard. I got like a little black eye. Yeah, I, I saw that. I don't know if you can see that or not. Did you mess up your uh, glasses? No, I didn't have my glasses on. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, you took a fall. The knee, and you had surgery on that knee. That was the problem, you know? Yeah. You know, it's been my experience. When my knees gave out is when this guy prayed for me, and I fell to the ground, man. It seems like they turned the electricity off inside you when he prayed, like short-circuited for a second. And all my strength and everything, I hadn't had no power to hold myself up, and I went down to the ground. So the reason I brought that up is, did you pray that morning? Did you get on your knees that morning and pray, or did you just sit on the bed and pray? <laughs> How'd you do it? I, I pray every day, but no, that wasn't was part of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes prayer, if strength... Strengthening the spirit up is uh, is because the Proverbs say that the, the spirit of a man will sustain him in his sick bed. When a person is sick, the spirit of God will sustain us. It seems to me like we're more spiritual than we are carnal. And our spirit, our soul, is the iron clown one. Here we go. I'm always like uh, preaching to you. You're my only audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go do a little bit of AA reading. Uh, the, the set aside prayer says, Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about my recovery, my own, for a new experience in you, Lord, for a new experience in myself, for a new experience in my fellow man, and a much-needed experience in my recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right, let's go ahead, and I'll, I'll start with page 25, where it says, There is a solution. It says, There is a solution. Uh, 
Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much in heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. Uh, the great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commanded to accomplish those things for us which we can never do by ourselves. And if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region where there's no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to, and we're willing to make the effort. Page 62, would you start us off, please? 62, right? Yes. Self-centered, self-centered, but he is a real hard trouble. Driven by hundred points of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, and the least. We step on the toes of our fellows and they were giants. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, and apparently find that sometimes in our past we have made decisions based on self, which lists, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are based on our own making. They arise out of themselves without all the extreme examples of self will run right, though he usually doesn't think so. But everything alcohol must be rid of the selfishness or buster and kills us. God makes that possible. If often it seems that there's no way of trying to get rid of self without his aid. Many of us have moral, physiological convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would like to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing and trying on our own willpower. We have to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God again. <clears throat> And it didn't work. Next, we decided thereafter of this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was uh, keystone of a new triumph of arch which we pass through freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans, and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. 
We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking these steps, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please, when ready. Amen. Let's go ahead and go to page 552. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their help, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then. It worked for me very big time since. It worked for me every time I'm willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask for the willingness, but it too always too come. And because it works for me, it'll work for all of us. And another great man says, the only world uh, freedom a human being could ever know is doing what he got to do because he wants to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous, and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Let's go to page uh, 85, please. And it is easy. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are, carried, we are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish, it is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. If we carefully follow directions, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further, and that means more action. Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Deanne, thank you. Thank you, Rick, for coming on today. Thank you, everyone. Let's go ahead and get, get started with our day. And uh, it's working. God bless you, Rick. Yeah.
Take care. Take care, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando, alcoholic. Let's go ahead and do today's uh, reading for Alcoholic Anonymous. Thank you so much for showing up. I'll get the music back up again. I, I did it again. I, it's also too like talking. I did it again. Stuck my foot in my mouth or got hung by the tongue and something I said. You know, as many years as I've been reading Proverbs, you'd think I would get the hint. It says, he who keeps his mouth shut stays out of trouble. I was at the, uh, I had to take a package back for the wife, uh, and she did not send me the code. She, she just forgot to send the code. So I was kind of uh, glad I was able to get a hold of her, but I had to go through the mom and the dad and go through all that to find her. She didn't pick up the phone in the household where she's at, and... She wasn't answering her text, and I was over here trying to return the package for her, and I needed the code. So I asked her for the code, and she sent it to me, but I left her on the phone. <laughs> and I told the lady, I said, you know, the whole family's meticulous over there, and I'm really getting tired of it. And boy, I said the wrong thing. She's just... <laughs> So I'm in the doghouse, guys. Uh, she's not texting me back right now. And, and then I text her and say, meticulous is a good thing. And then I said, ah, the reason I get into trouble is trying to kiss so many people's butt and trying to be a good um, son-in-law and, and paint and this and that and so forth. I went up to go see her and her work and spent it a week. And uh, I wanted to see my son and take some time off and enjoy the atmosphere. It was not all all work all week. But it got to my, uh, I started not sleeping properly, drinking too much coffee, you know, the whole deal and stuff. So I said, I think I better stop and rest. So I stopped on Saturday and I rest. And then uh, someone asked me to come over and she's going to show me their house and their new AA club that they were attending. And I said, okay, let's go. And uh, it didn't sit well with the family since they had a worker. One of the brothers uh, had the weekend and working. Well, before I gave my whole weekend over to it, it didn't really change anything. No one slowed down. I said, well, I'm going to go ahead. So the more I thought about it, the more I said, well, I'm going to do what I need to do. I need to go see my 95-year-old ex-father-in-law before he passes, you know, if he should pass away. And Sure enough, clear as a bell, and I was able to see my son, and uh, and behold, when I walked out of there, I had $40 in my pocket for gas, I had sack of lunch, and coffee, and I was full of joy, and I, I ran back to Los Angeles to take care of my commitments. So it was just a little misunderstanding on my part that I, I pushed too much and didn't disclose that I'm not going to be working on the weekend. I, I said that on Wednesday. I'm not going to be working on Saturday. But uh, anyway, life is good. Okay, today's reading. See? Today's reading is called The Keystone for March 14th. Alcoholic Anonymous, uh, Daily Reflection. He is the Father and we are His children. 
Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant art through which we pass to freedom. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 62. A keystone is the wedge-shaped piece of the highest part of an arch that locks the other pieces in place. The other pieces are steps 1, 2, and 4 through 12. In one sense, this sounds like step 3 is the most important step, that the other 11 depend on the third for support. In reality, however, step 3 is just one of the 12. It is the keystone. But without 11 other stones to build a base and arms, keystone or not, there will be no arch. Through daily working of all 12 steps, I find the triumphant arch waiting for me to pass through to another day of freedom. I'm Fernando, I'm an alcoholic, and my experience is that a lot of people don't do step three properly. And that's why it's the keystone. You know, it says, turn my will and my life, plural, over to the care of God as I understand Him. So I guess each individual understands their higher power in a different form. You know, what, what God wrote, God's role is and what our role is. My role is to, be a, to turn things over into His care. And when I do it successfully, it just works incredible when I turn things over. What's my part? What can I do meanwhile? Well, I can laugh. I can laugh. <laughs> you know, I can enjoy the day. Uh, I don't have anything to do. I turn my all my worries and cares over to the care of God. And he's give, he is infusing me with enthusiasm to uh, see things differently. Like the prayer, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the courage to change the things I know I can and the power and strength to know the difference, okay, and the the serenity to let go of what's not working in my life. Amen. A human being put that prayer together, guys. It's not set in stone. Anyway, for me, as I understand God, so what else can I do? Meanwhile, I turn everything to God. If I want to take the worry back or the, the problem, I snap snap out of uh, judging, hatred, envy, jealousy, whatever. Snap out of it and get into the area of laughter. Get into the area of thanking God for the problem. Rule 62, don't take yourself too seriously. And isn't it interesting that this quote comes from page 62 from Mark Hark Anonymous. So every time you see page 62 in the big book, he is the father, we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant art through which we pass to freedom. And what do we do? What does Fernando do? He thanks God for his difficulties, for bills, for hiccups, for uh, resentments, for uh, just thank God for everything and learn to laugh and enjoy the day and live in the now, in the present. That is the most successful thing we can do. There are no big deals. This too shall pass. Easy does it. Live and let live. First things first. Turn it over. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer. 
God, excuse me, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It is definitely working. Oh, by the way, here's the music. Sorry about that. Where's the music? Oh, well. Next time. Hasta la vista, baby. Thank you for coming in today's 12-step meeting. I'm Fernando, your secretary. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. A 12-step movement is a fellowship of men and women who got tired of, of losing and money taking everything, honor taking it away, and did something about it by getting together and praying together and locking arms and making where two or three are gathered together, the Spirit of God is there and making a difference in our lives. About 15 million people have gone through the program. Three million have stood behind to help others as they come in and helping ourselves live a greater life of study, joy, laughter, testimonies and uh, good coffee the best coffee in all the world is in the meetings and the best literature of all the world because there's a human being that's listening it for the first time and it thrills our soul to help someone along amen that's what life is all about is is someone reading you in five minutes of what you're all about and then having a program for their lives to run on, to see that there are righteous people, that there are people standing for principles, <clears throat> that there are men and women who have said, enough is enough, I will act and do right for the rest of my life, and left the nonsense of hurting yourself, putting needles in your arm, drinking excessively, killing yourself, allowing God to love them so they can love themselves and Love others and enjoy life too. Amen. Today, daily reflection is a world of the spirit. A world of the spirit. We have entered the world of the spirit. <laughs> Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter, it will continue for our lifetime. AA page 84. The word entered and the phrase entered into the world of the Spirit are very significant. They imply action, a beginning, getting into a prerequisite to maintaining my spiritual growth. The Spirit being the immaterial part of me, barriers to my spiritual growth are self-centeredness and a materialistic focus on worldly things. Spirituality means devotion to spiritual instead of worldly things. 
It means obedience to God's will for me. I understand spiritual things to be unconditional love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and humility. Anytime I allow selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear to be part of me, I block out spiritual things. As I maintain my sobriety, growing spiritually becomes a lifelong process. My goal is spiritual growth, accepting that I'll never have spiritual perfection. My goal is spiritual growth, accepting that I'll never have spiritual perfection. You know, it's a lot of fun, spiritual growth. It's a lot of fun hearing new people talk about spiritual growth. You know, they say uh, something good is about to happen. or they, uh, You know, spiritual growth, you can hear it in a new person's honesty. That right there is spiritual growth. Lock and load. They lock and load into honesty and to the, to the beam of God's presence in the meetings where two or three are gathered. He is there in the midst of it. It's all about God, folks. And one of the ways that I keep that door open is by remembering all the good things that God has done for me. Right away, I remember I was 22 years old and I prayed for a union job because I was drinking with the with the truck drivers waiting for work at the union hall. We would work a day or two, get a little check, go to go to the liquor store and cash it with two tall boys, <clears throat> two drinks, Schlitz malt liquor, and bring it to the back to the and wait for orders and then we get dispatched drunk and go drive truck again. And I was just getting to be just like the guys there. There were there was blood, there was knife fights and and it was uh it was one of the I knew that I shouldn't be there as a young man at 22. So I prayed, and the Father God sent me to another city, and I got a union job. But it was a miracle, guys. I beat 17 guys to get the job. Anyway, uh, that's what we do. We just think about what God has done for us. He's took us the desire. He took the desire for drinking and complaining away and crying in my beer. If we can keep that up, for a few seconds and that's focus on the power of God all our other problems go away remember in our reading it says right here if I focus on the problem the problem will increase and if I focus on the solution the solution will increase that's our AA big book right there I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations for my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Emotional sobriety is, we know you need something, but you need to let go like a whimpering little child and let God by concentrating on how good he's taken you from the past. That's the key, folks. That's the key to let go and let God by concentrating and rehearsing in your mind the many things. Remember, he pulled us out of jail. He forgave us this session, that session. We didn't, we didn't get those diseases. We, don't get, we didn't get blamed for that person, uh, uh, for that situation, this situation. Just start thinking on how God, great God is in your life and how many things he's taken you or your parents or your children 
or how he's taken care of you ever since you started walking this walk. The amazing results of through osmosis, he's taking care of us. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and do that. Let's thank God for uh, the troubles that come our way. We have a solution and we have a program, you know. We don't concentrate on the problems. We concentrate and keep our souls concentrating on what God has done till we're till our soul is satisfied, till we take a deep breath. And then we let our shoulders drop and find that God has done it before. Easy does it. You have successfully, we have successfully turned over our situation, over to God into a spiritual uh, arena that we have never known before through surrender, through opening up the heart and letting go. God is God. That's how mighty he is. That's the way to get true power, guys, is, is leave it there and just out through the day, thank him and, and be so happy that you have a God that has rescued you and taken you out of the mire clay, taking me out of the mire clay and put me on a good setting. When we go with that joy, we are apt to get what we're asking for, more blessings, more things coming our way. God is working on our situation. Give him time, folks. Give him time. I'll give you an example. I I ruined this nice orbiter uh, blender. I was putting my coffee in there and blending it and whipping it really nice. And uh, and finally, the bottom shaft just couldn't take the hot water. They just busted up. And I prayed for another one. And they, they probably don't make them like that. They probably cost a lot of money. to to. It's easier to buy one, right? One from China. But I prayed about it. I said, well, I'm going to test my prayer, right? I'm going to throw my prayer out. And I prayed for it, you know. And I was out walking yesterday and just thanking God after a meeting and just walking barefooted on the uh, baseball field and just thinking about God. That's what I do on Saturdays. I think about the greatness of God. You know, I'm, I am, wasn't born yesterday. I know where power comes from and how to access the power. And Saturday is a wonderful day to lock and load with your higher power and let God be God by, by cutting off all distractions that day and enjoying my God. Anyway, the, uh, the, the Spirit led me to go to a corner on an alley. I can see it from the field, and I started walking towards her. And boy, that lady there was, uh, she had Coronas all over the place, and she had incredible high prices and everything. And, and then I told her, you know, you know, and she said, $20? I'm $25. i am not going to pay $25. I saw it. Uh, looking at her stuff at the yard sale, there it is, there it is, and she said, that thing's brand new, she goes, anyway, by the time I walk away, she goes, well, I'll have it in the porch for you, and you can just put the five bucks there, and, and I go, fine, thank you, I will leave a gift for you, and she just surprised me, a gift, yeah, a brand new book about a guy who went to World War II, you know, and he, and he became a chaplain, and he starts telling all the soldiers in, in Korea and Vietnam, to thank him that they're afraid. If they thank God that they are afraid, the truth, God will protect them. Anyway, the movie, 19 million books in print, a movie, uh, it's made over 60 languages, the book. If you want a free book, uh, please uh, email me to um, uh, Goose Dioka. 
goosedioka at gmail.com. And that's uh, D-E-O-C-A with a goose in front of it. Okay? I love you. God bless you. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Let's go ahead and pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. This is a serious recording of Bill Wilson, of his talk that he did in the years past. Let's bring him up. Please listen. Listen with all your heart. Please pay attention for the hour of the reading. We need you to take your the message and pass it on to others, your generation, to your people, to your loved ones around you. You can make a difference. We can make a difference. Here we go. Thank you. We have not only Bill with us, we have another that I would like to just for a second pay a little tribute to. And that is Abby. And those of you who have read the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, Know that on page 18, Abby walked in to Bill's room and carried a message to him. And in the way, did a 12-step job on the guy that had kept our candle burning. I'd like for Abby to stand up just for a second, please. Done 
over here in Fort Worth. And I know that everybody in this area are grateful for what has been done. I have seen badges on people from Kansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, and there's a badge I'm told from Canada here. We're so happy that all of you came. We hope that you will find that there is something that you can take back to your home group that will benefit them as a result of this conference. And I might say, when we're talking about the home group, that we're going to hear something from Bill tonight about the home group. And there's a tradition. We're going to find out a little bit about our responsibilities as a group. Not only our responsibility as an individual member of AA, but group responsibility we're going to find out a little bit more about tonight. And that too can be a wonderful message that we can take back to our home group. As we all know, Bill wrote our 12 steps our individual recovery program some 15, 16 years ago in Brooklyn. And he wrote them in quite a bit of confusion. And he completed them from beginning to end in about 30 minutes. And I don't think to this day he can tell us honestly what left that pen of his. It's true he had had a few years of experience in dealing with alcoholics. It's true he had talked to Adrian about he had some experience from the Oxford group. But let's not forget this one thing. We are not always going to have this. Bill can't be like you and me and live a day at a time. Bill's got to project 10, 15, 20 years out into the future. That's the way it must be with him. He's got to think of AA unity in 1984. This thing must be held together, and it will be held together, but not until after a lot of people have done an awful lot of work, along with a lot of praying. One of those two alone will not get the job done, and nobody knows that better than our beloved Bill. Will everybody rise, please?
now that we're assembled here <coughs> in full strength and in all the joy of this superb occasion, I first want to renew my thanks to all who have made it possible, to Jack and his committee, to each one of you, to the untold miles of travel that you've all made to be present, to inspire me, to fill me with the warmth of your hand hospitality, to be with each other. I'm grateful to the governor of this state, the mayor of this town, for their recognition that we are again not only area members, but citizens of the world. We once more belong, so these friends have said. I'm deeply grateful to this hotel and the owners of it who have housed us, especially me, so superbly. Could you see that apartment I'm in, you'd wonder how the hell anybody could stay sober in it. It has bars. As for me, I came here in great gratitude, not only for the many tokens of your generosity and affection that I have received in the past, but for what you are making possible for my sponsor, Evie, just as much founder of AA as I, or any of the score without whom this thing couldn't have been. So again, I record my deep gratitude, and I can find no better words to say that. I think I'm on the bill for tonight's show with a talk on the tradition, the 12 traditions of AA. But you know drunks like women uh, have the prerogative, or at least seize the prerogative, of changing their mind. Don't make any good things. very festive, I think the tradition, 1 to 12, would be a little too quick. My story a little. As a matter of fact, speaking of traditions, when they were first written back there in 1945 or 6, to sort of tentative guides to help us to hang together and function, nobody paid any attention except a few beginners who wrote me what the hell mail about it. Nobody paid this flight. <laughs> but little by little, as these traditions uh, got around, and we had our club, clubhouse squabbles, our group riffs, this difficulty and that, it was found that the traditions indeed did reflect experience and were guiding principles. So they took on a little more, and a little more, and a little more, so that today the average AA coming in the door 
learns at once what they're about, what kind of an outfit he really has landed in, by what principles his group and they as a whole are governed. But as I say, the decade with all that, I just like to spin some yarns, and they will be a series of yarns cluster around the preparation of the good old book, Alcoholics Not. Some people reading the book now, they say, well, this is the AA Bible. When I hear that, it always makes me shudder because the guys who put it together weren't a damn bit biblical. <laughs> I think sometimes some of the drunks have an idea that these old-timers went around with this almost visible halos and long gowns and they were full of sweetness and light. Oh, boy, how inspired they were. Oh, yes. But wait for it, I pulled the book yarn really started in the living room of uh, Doc and Annie Smith. As you know, I landed there in the summer of 35, a little group called Hall. I helped Smithy briefly with it, and he went on to found the first AA group in the world. And as with all new groups, it was nearly all failure. But now and then, somebody saw the light, and there was progress. Tampered, I got back to New York, a little more experience, the group started there. And by the time we got around to 1937, the thing had leaked a little over into Cleveland, and it began to move south from New York. But it was still, we thought in those years, a flying blind, a flickering candle indeed. He doesn't mind at any moment he snuffed out. So on this late fall afternoon in 1937, Smithy and I were talking together in his living room and sitting there by the gas log. And we began to count notes how many people had stage drive in action in New York, maybe a few in sleep. How many had stayed drive and for how long? And when we added up that scope, sure, it was a handful, I don't know, 35, 40 maybe, but enough time had elapsed on enough really fatal cases of alcoholism. So that when we grasped the import of these small statistics, Bob and I saw for the first time that this thing was going to succeed. That God in his providence and mercy had thrown a new life into the dark caves where we and our kind had been and were still by the millions dwelt. I never can forget the elation and ecstasy that seized us both. 
And then we fell happily talking and reflected. We reflected that, well, a couple of score of them, but this has taken three long years. There's been a momentum out of failure, but a long time has been taken just to sober up this handful. How could this handful carry its message to all those who still listen on? Not all the drunks in the world could come to Akron or to New York. How could we transfer our message to them? Why was me? Maybe we thought we should go to the old timers in each group, which then meant nearly everybody could find the sum of money, somebody else's money, of course, and say to them, well, now take a sabbatical year off your job, if you have any, and you go to Keokuk and Omaha and Chicago and to San Francisco to Los Angeles and wherever it may be, and you give this thing a year and get a group started. It had already got evidence by then, for we were just about to be moved out of the city hospital in Akron to make room for people with broken legs and ailing livers. Just our hospitals were not too happy with us. We tried to run their business perhaps too much, and besides, drunks were apt to be noisy in the night, and there were other inconveniences, which were all familiar. So it was obvious that, uh, Drunks being such lovely creatures, we would have to have a great chain of hospitals. And as that dream burst upon me, it sounded good, because you see, I've been down in Wall Street in the promotion business, and I remember the great sums of money that were made as, as soon as people got this chain idea, you know, the chain drugstore, the chain grocery store, the chain dry, dry goods store. Why not chain drunk tanks? and let us make the dog. <laughs> so we needed some missionaries, subsidized. We needed a chain of drunk tanks. That got very clear. Awful clear to me. Bob is a conservative type of Yankee. I don't think he was quite so fast for those items. I was very insistent. It would take a pile of dough to finance all this, but after all, with this brand new light shining in our dark world, we just squirted in the eyes of rich guys and made up with the doll. <laughs> Besides, we reflected, uh, <laughs> we'd have to get some kind of literature. Up to this moment, not a syllable of this program, so far as I know, was in writing. And it was a kind of a word of mouth deal. You with variations according to each man or woman's fancy. Well, in a general way, we said, well, the booze has got you down, boys. You got an allergy and an obsession, and you're hopeless. If you are, you better get honest with yourself. Take stock. You ought to talk this out with somebody. Kind of professional, you know. And you ought to make restitution for the harm you did. You ought to make amends and all that kind of business. Well, you prayed as best you could, according to your life and
Now that was the sum of the word of my program up to that time. But as I say, variations on that were already appearing. How could we unify this thing? Could we, out of our experience, get certain principles, describe certain methods that had done the trick for us? Yes, obviously. If this movement was to propagate, it had to have a literature so its message could not be garbled, either by the drunks or by the general public. So Bob and I reflected that late afternoon in 1937, missionaries, chain of drunk tanks, and the book. Well, even by then, he and I had begun to learn that we were not the government of alcoholics enough. He, I guess more than I, already realized that the conscience of the group the opinion of the group, when it was an informed opinion and in the group's interest would be better than our own. We'd better consult, folks. Well, there was dear old, uh, old non-alcoholic, his wife, T. Henry Woodis there in Ashland. They'd let us meet in their house after he got out of Smith Power and got into theirs. And he was great friends of ours. So we called a meeting. The Akron group, that is to say, those who have been sober any great length of time, I think for this particular meeting we scraped up about 18. And that evening, Bob and I told them that we were within sight of success, that we thought this thing might go on and on and on that a new light, indeed, was shining in our dark world. But how could this light be reflected and transmitted without being distorted and dark? And at this point, they turned the meeting over to me, and being a salesman, I set right to work on them drunk tanks and subsidies for the missionaries. I was pretty poor then. And we touched on the book. <laughs> and group conscience consisted of 18 men, good and true. And the good and true men, you could see right away, were damn skeptical about it all. Almost with one voice, they chorus, let's keep it simple. This is going to bring money into this. This is going to create a professional class. We'll all be ruined. Well, I countered that's a very good argument. Lots of what you say. But even within gunshot of this very house, alcoholics are dying like flies. And if this thing doesn't move any faster than it has in the next in the last three years, it may be another ten before it gets to the outskirts of Akron. How in God's name are we going to carry this message to others? We've got to take some kind of chance. We can't keep it so simple it becomes an anarchy and gets complicated. We can't keep it so simple it won't propagate itself. And we got to have a lot of money to do these things. So exerting myself to the utmost, 
which was considerable in those days. We finally got a vote in that little meeting, and it was a mighty close vote. By just a majority of maybe two or three, the meeting said with some reluctance, well, Bill, if we need a lot of dough, you better go back to New York, where there's plenty of it, and you raise it. Well, boy, that was the word I'd been waiting for. So I scrammed back to the great city, and I began to approach some people of means and describe this tremendous thing that had happened. And it didn't seem so tremendous as the people of means at all. What, 35 or 40 drunk? Sobered up? They have sobered him up before now, you know. And besides, Mr. Wilson, don't you think it's kind of sweeping up the shavings? I mean, uh, I mean, wasn't there something for the Red Cross be better? <laughs> In other words, with all of my most ardent solicitation, I got one hell of a freeze from the gentleman of the Well, I began to get blue. And when I began to get blue, uh, my stomach kicked up as well as other things. And I was laying in bed one night with an imaginary ulcer attack. Used to have them all the time. <laughs> I had one at the time to pronounce that for it. And I said, my God, uh, we're starving to death here at Clinton Street. By this time, the house was full of drunks. They were eating us out of the house and home. In those days, we never believed in charging anything for uh, anybody for anything, so Lois was earning the money. I was being a missionary in the grocery eating meals. <laughs> this can't go on. We gotta have them drug tanks, we gotta have them missionaries, and now we gotta have them missionaries. And we gotta have a look. That's for sure. Well, the next morning, I crawled into my clothes, and I saw my brother-in-law. He's a doctor, and he is about the last person who's stuck in the one that's just way, way down. The only one, save, of course, dear Lord. Well, I said, I'll go up and see Leonard. So I went up to see my brother-in-law Leonard. He tried out a little time between patients coming in up there. And I started my awful bellyache about these rich guys who wouldn't give us any dough or his great and glorious enterprise. So well on its way. And it seems to me that somehow he was tied up with the Rockefeller family and their charity. And if you want to, we'll call up the Rockefeller offices and see if there is such a man, and if there is, is he alive? And will he see us? Would you like me to do that? Well, I hadn't tried the Rockefeller office, so I said, well, sure, give him a ring. <laughs> On what slender threads our destiny sometimes hangs? <clears throat> Remember, my brother's law said I knew a girl, and I think she had it on. <laughs> So the call was made. Instantly there came out of the other end of the wire the voice of dear Willard Richards, one of the loveliest Christian gentlemen that I have ever known. And the moment he recognized my brother-in-law, 
He said, why, Leonard, he said, where have you been all these years? Well, my brother-in-law, unlike me, is a man of very few words, so he quickly said to dear old Uncle Willard uh, that uh, he had a brother-in-law who was apparently having some success sobering up drugs. Could uh, the two of us come over there and see him? Why, certainly, said dear Willard, uh, come right over. So we go over to Rockefeller Plaza, we go up that elevator, 54 flights, 56, I guess it is, and we walk plump into Mr. Rockefeller's personal offices, asked to see Mr. Richards. And here sits this lovely, benign old gentleman, who nevertheless had a kind of shrewd twinkle in his eye. So I sat down and told him about our exciting discovery. This terrific cure for alcoholics that had just hit the work. How it worked. What we had done. And boy, this was the first receptive man with money or access to money. Remember, we were in Mr. Rockefeller's personal office at this point. And by now, too, we had learned that this was Mr. Rockefeller's closest personal friend, perhaps. So he said, why, yes, said I. Much interesting. Uh, Wouldn't you like to have lunch with me, Mr. Wilson? Well, now you know for a rising promoter, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to have lunch with best friends of Sir John D. Things were looking up. My ultra attack disappeared. <laughs> so I had lunch with the old gentleman, and we go over the thing again, and boy, he's so warm and kind and friendly. Right at the close of lunch, he said, well, now, Miss Wilson, or Bill, if I can call you that, said, wouldn't you like to have a larger meeting with some of my friends? There's Frank Amos, he's in the advertising business, but he was on a committee that recommended Mr. Rockefeller uh, drop the uh, prohibition business. And there's Roy Chipman, he looked at Mr. Rockefeller's real estate. There's Mr. Scott, he's chairman of the board up at the Riverside Church. And he said a number of people like they are, I believe they'd like to hear that story. So a meeting was arranged. And it fell upon a winter's night, late 1937. And the meeting was at 30 Rockefeller Plaza. We called in post haste, a couple of drugs, macros, Smithy included, of course, heading the procession. I came in with the New York contingent, four or five. And to our astonishment, we were ushered into Mr. Rockefeller's personal boardroom, right next to our office, right next to his office. And I thought to myself, well, now, this, this is really getting hot. And indeed, I felt very much warm when I was told by Mr. Richardson that I was sitting in a chair just vacated by Mr. Rockefeller. And I said, well, now, we really are getting close to the bank roll. Old Doc Silver was there that night, too. And he testified what 
to these new friends of ours. And each drunk, thinking of nothing better to say, well, each of us told our story, drinking and the recovery. And these folks listened. They seemed very definitely impressed. So I could see that the moment for the big touch was coming. So I gingerly brought up the subject of the drunk tanks, the subsidized missionaries, and this question of a book or literature. Well, God moved in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. But it didn't look like a wonder to me when Mr. Scott, head of a large engineering firm and chairman of the Riverside Church, looked at us and said, but gentlemen, that up to this point, this has been the work of goodwill only. No plant, no property, no paid people, just one carrying the good news to the next. Isn't that true? And may it not be that that is where the great power of this society lies. Now, if we subsidize it, might it not alter its whole character? We want to do all we can. We're gathered for that. But what if we want? Well, then the salesmen all gave Mr. Scott the rut. And we said, what? Mr. Scott, there are only 40 of us. It's taken three years. Why, millions, Mr. Scott, will rot before this thing ever gets sold unless we have money and lots of it. And we made out our case at last with these gentlemen. For the missionaries, the drunk tank, the local. So one of them volunteered to investigate us very carefully. And since poor old Dr. Bob was harder up than I was, and since the first group and the typical community situation was in Akron, we directed their attention out there. And Frank Amos, still a trustee in the foundation, at his own expense, got on a train, went out to Akron, made all sorts of preliminary inquiries around town about Dr. Bob. All the reports were good except that he was drunk <laughs> and recently got over. He visited the little meeting out there. He went to the Smith's house. And he came back with what he thought was a very modest project. And he recommended to these friends of ours that, uh, well, we should have a well, at least uh, just a token amount of money at first, say fifty thousand dollars, something like that. That was clear off mortgage on the Smith place. It was uh, get us a little rehabilitation place. We could put Doctor Smith in charge. Uh, we could subsidize a few of these people briefly until we got some more money. We could, uh, you know, it would start the chain of hospitals. We'd have a few missionaries. We could get busy on the book. All for mere 50000 bucks. Well, considering the kind of money we were backed up against, that did sound a little small, but you know, one thing leads to another. 
This time is wrong because we were, we were real glad. Mr. Willard Richardson, our original contact, then took that before in John Jay. Junior, as everybody called him. And I think it's very what went on. Mr. Rockefeller read this for us, called Willard Richardson back, and he said, somehow I am strangely stirred by all this. This interests me immensely. And then looking at his friend Willard, he said, but isn't money going to spoil this? I'm terribly afraid that it was. And yet I'm so strangely disturbed by it. Then came another turning point in our destiny. When that man whose business is giving away money said to Willard Richardson, No, he said, I won't be the one to spoil this with money. You say these two men who are heading it are a little strapped. I'll put $5,000 in the Riverside Church Treasury. You folks can form yourselves into a committee and draw on it as you like. But please don't ask me for any more. Well, I want to hear what goes on. Well, the 50000 then shrunk to five. We raised the mortgage on Smith's house. For about three grand, that left two, and Smithy and I commenced toying on that two. Well, that was a long way from string to Dr. Drunk Tank, books, What in thunder would we do? Well, we had more meetings with our newfound friends. Amos, Richardson, Scott, Chipman, and those fellows who stuck with us to this day, some of them now being gone. <laughs> and in spite of Mr. Rockefeller's advice, we again convinced these folks that this thing needed a lot of money. What could you do without it? So, one of them proposed, well, why don't we form a foundation, something like the Rockefeller Foundation? Well, I said, I hope it'll be like that with respect to money. <laughs> and then one of them got a free lawyer from Ely Hill Roots firm who was interested in the thing. And we ought to ask him to draw an agreement of trust, a charter, for something to be called the Alcoholic Foundation. Why we picked that one, I don't know. I don't know whether the foundation was alcoholic. It was the alcoholic foundation, not the alcoholic foundation. No. And the lawyer was very much confused because in the meeting in which we formed the foundation, we made it very plain that uh, we drunks did not wish to be in the majority. We felt that there should be non-alcoholics on the board and they ought to be in a majority of one. Well, indeed, said the lawyer, what is the difference between an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic? And one of our smart drunks said, well, that's the thing. 
A non-alcoholic is a guy who can drink, and an alcoholic is a guy who can't drink. Well, said the lawyer, how do we state that legally? I wouldn't know. <laughs> so at length, we have a foundation and a board, which I think then was of about seven, consisting of four of these new friends, including my brother-in-law, Mr. Richard Chipman Amos, and some of us drunk. I think Smithy went on the board, but I kind of coyly stayed off it, thinking, well, it would be more convenient later on. So we had this wonderful new foundation. These friends, unlike Mr. Rockefeller, were told that we needed a lot of dough. And so our salesman around New York started to solicit, solicit the money. Again, from the very rich. And we had a list of them, and we had credentials and letters from friends of Mr. John D. Rockefeller. How could you miss? I asked you, sir. The foundation has been formed in the spring of 1938, and all summer we solicited the rich. Well, they were either in Florida, or they preferred the Red Cross, or some of them thought the drunks were disgusting. And we didn't get one damn cent in the whole summer of 1938, praise God. Well, meantime, we began to hold trustee meetings, and they were commiseration sessions on getting no dough. What with the mortgage and what with Smithy and me eating away at it, the five grand had about gone up the flue, and we were all stony broke again. Smithy couldn't get his practice back either because he was a surgeon, and nobody liked to be carved up by an alcoholic surgeon, even if he was for years. So things were tough all around, no fool. <laughs> well, what would we do? So one day, probably in August 1938, I produced at a foundation meeting <coughs> a couple of chapters of a proposed book in rough and in mimeograph. As a matter of fact, we've been using chapters of this proposed book along with some recommendations of a couple doctors down at Johns Hopkins to try to put the bite on the wreck. And he still had these two book chapters kicking around. And so Frank Amos said, well, now I know the religious editor down there at Harvard, old friend of mine, Gene X, said, why don't you take these two book chapters, your story and the introduction to the book, down there and show them to Gene see what he thinks about it. So I took the chapters down. To my great surprise, Gene, who has since become a great friend of ours, looked at the chapters and said, why? He said, Mr. Wilson, he said, would you write a whole book like this? Oh, I said, sure. Well, there was more talk about it. I guess he went in and showed it. Canfield, the big boss. Now the meeting was handed. The upshot was that Harper's intimated that they would pay me as the budding author $1,500 in advance royalties, bringing enough money in to enable me to finish the book. Well, I felt awful good, you know, about that. It may 
like I was an author, a comer maybe. I felt real good about it. But after a while, not so good. Because I began to reason, and so did the other boys. Well, if this guy Wilson eats up to 1500 bucks while he's doing this book, after the book gets out, it'll take a long time to catch up. And if this thing gets the publicity, what are we going to do with the inquiry? And after all, what's a lousy 10% royalty anyway? Well, the 1500 still looks pretty big to me. Then we thought, too, now here's a fine publisher like Harper's, but if this book, if and when done, should prove to be the main textbook for AA, why would we want our main means of propagation in the hands of somebody else? Shouldn't we control it? Well, at that point, the book project really began to get hot. It began to take off. Why? We said, we'll try this on separate foundations. So I had a guy helping me on this thing who had red hair, ten times my energy, and some from already was. He said, Bill, this is simple. Come on with me. We walk into a stationery store, we buy a pad of Blank stock certificate. We write across the top of them. Worst 